Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It's October the 31st. That makes it Halloween. So happy Halloween. Are you wearing a costume? Are you a child wearing a costume to work? If you're a parent, you get a pass. That's that's it in my book. Grownups don't need to be wearing costumes. That being said, I totally would wear a costume with my kids. In fact, I don't want to tell you guys something that's uh, too much detail, but my son and I might have matching Ghostbusters costumes. It's the only costume that I ever want to wear because it's a flight suit, most comfortable thing in the world. Nothing like wearing pajamas. Also, what's better than the original Ghostbusters? Nothing. Almost nothing, I would say to you, is better than that movie when it comes to just pure entertainment and good times. So it's Halloween. And in order to that, we're going to do a little show that is a bit spooky. It's about a man who got arrested for doing something you thought you were supposed to be able to do in this country. Freedom of the press, freedom of speech. I'm not talking about Owen Schroyer. We're talking about Hernando Arce. And you are going to get a little taste of his story. It's not even free here in Texas when the local law enforcement decide to put the kibosh on the things that you think you can do. Walk around, report on what's happening around you, especially the things that the government is doing wrong. I thought we had that ability in this country. We are slowly losing it, and we lose it even worse if we don't stand up and engage in it. Before we get to this interview, I think you guys are going to enjoy. I want to say thanks to CatholicVote.org, the uh, perennial sponsor and the marquee sponsor of our podcast, CatholicVote.org. You guys know how to get there. CatholicVote.org, sign up for the loop. You'll get a great uh, series of emails every morning, and it will help you out. And we also want to say thanks to our friends, over at Patriot Coolers. Put together a little promo video for you guys. I think you'll like this. Let's say thanks to Patriot, and then we will get right into this interview. Today's podcast is sponsored in part by Patriot Coolers. You can find them at their website, patriotcoolers.com. You can also find them on social media at Patriot Coolers. Make sure if you order one of these fine products that you tag me as well, because I like seeing them. As a gearhead, you guys know I love seeing it. I like retweeting it. I like retruthing it and sharing it. Uh, check out their page for hard-sided coolers, soft-sided backpacks and carryable coolers, and of course, the tumblers, which I've been carrying with me on and off duty since about 2017. They're a great company. They've got a great product. They support our show, and they support disabled veterans. Visit PatriotCoolers.com. Use my promo code KYLE. That's easy to remember. K-Y-L-E. And support a brand that supports what you do. Patriot Coolers out of Houston, Texas, America is a good company with a great name that you don't mind showing off. Again, PatriotCoolers.com using promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off. And shipping over 50 bucks is always free. And we appreciate you supporting those who support our show. All right, folks, and without any further ado, let's get right to the interview with Mr. Hernando Arce. Ladies and gentlemen, you are joining the Kyle Serafin Show for another interview. This one is a man who is out there making trouble in the world, someone that we can appreciate uh, on the Kyle Serafin Show, someone who is holding government to account, which is what we're all about, and uh, has been a frontline witness to not just the bad policies, but I would say he's uh, experienced a little bit of the sort of the teeth of what comes in when you when you piss off the state. We are bringing in Hernando R.C., uh, Hernando, who told me the gringo pronunciation is Hernando, but that's the way he does it. Not Hernando, as you might if you live in San Antonio too long. Uh, 
Hernando, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, thank you, Kyle. Thank you for the invitation. And thank you, uh, Ryan. So I see you got a Trump hat on. Who are you trying to upset with that Trump hat, my friend? Well, you know, the, the, the story behind his Trump hat, every time he gets indicted, I go to the Trumpstore.com and I buy a different color hat. So I got about <laughs> 40 hats. Outstanding. All right. I want to talk about who you are and how you came to our attention. We're going to get into all that. Uh, it's going to culminate up. We got a video that we're going to show in probably a little bit here of uh, you pissing off the right people in the wrong place. But let's start off with uh, who you are as a person. Where'd you grow up, my friend? Hey, well, I'm a, I'm a, uh, actually, I'm a political refugee asylum from the uh, People's Republic of New York. Yes. Yes. Behind and enemy territory. I did escape 10 years ago to a sovereign state of uh, San Antonio, Texas, thinking that the Texas culture of come and take it uh, would stand up to tyranny. Unfortunately, I've been a little bit disappointed the last few years, as we saw from COVID uh, to now with the illegal immigration crisis, the invasion that, uh, you know, that these, these men and women here in, in, in Texas have, uh, have so far let me down, but I'm, 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 I'm gonna stand up and hopefully we'll, we'll get this, uh, Will, will be to defeat the security in, in this state and the country. Amen to that. Let me ask you a question. What part of New York did you grow up in? Brooklyn, New York. You grew up in Brooklyn. My wife's from Brooklyn. Yeah. So tell me yeah. about growing up in Brooklyn. What what year were you born? And, and what was Brooklyn like at that time? Well, I was born in the year 1969, so I'm 54 years old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was born and raised in, in New York City, you know, my whole life. I, I, I love the city. It's a special place for me, but I had to leave the city because I tell my friends it lost its soul. You know, I, I, I see it as a soul that it lost. I think during the, the days of Mayor Dink, uh, the Blasio, uh, 10 years ago, eight years ago. So, uh, unfortunately, it's successful. And anyone who's living in these big cities, uh, needs to get out of them, like Chicago, LA, and New York. It's, it's not, you don't want to be there if you're a conservative. When you were a kid growing up in Brooklyn, you got to see some of the rough times. Like in the 70s, it was pretty rough, right? And in the 80s as well, my wife saw that. Um, it got better and it got worse again. Can you kind of talk about the transition you were able to see? Because I think that's a unique lens to be able to look at what's going on in our country now. I remember those, it was the 80s, it was still bad. It was Mayor Dinkins in New York City, because I'm from New York City, not, not upstate New York, different, different culture up there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was very bad, the city. My mother, my mother, God bless her soul, she raised seven children by herself never took a dollar of welfare. She drove a yellow taxi cab. She didn't speak any English. She was an immigrant, but she came here the right way during the 1964 when they, uh, after JFK was assassinated, uh, they actually, he signed a bill uh, to open up the, the borders. A lot of people don't know this, but, he, but he, they wanted to open up the borders legally to migrants, not just from Europe, Anglo-Saxons, but from South America and the Caribbean. So my mom was part of that surge of legal migration. She became a citizen in 1980, right? But to answer your question, yes, he, you know, he's been robbed. I've been robbed as a cab driver driving a cab in New York City in the 90s while I was in college. Uh, thank God uh, Rob, uh, Rudy Giuliani came in, who was an attorney general, right, a federal attorney general. He cleaned it up. He cleaned it up real, real quickly. And so I was able to live, you know, my adulthood during the great times of the 90s and the 2000s uh, where, where it was a great time to live in New York. Not anymore. Yeah. Did you say you were driving a cab in New York City? Yeah, I drove a cab. It was a family business. Yeah. My sister Did you guys have a medallion? Uh, we own the medallion. Yes, we bought a medallion. Uh -huh. And that, that's another story in itself. I don't know how long we have, how much time we have on this. Let's talk about it because that, I mean, some of the advent of Uber and then Lyft and this oh, yeah. screwed over the cab drivers that really worked there. I mean, people would mortgage their houses to get these medallions. Tell people about what that's about. 
Well, I know the, the yellow taxi industry intimately because uh, me and my partner back in 1992, we noticed that there was a market, there was a niche for a publication in the industry. As I was driving a cab, I noticed that there was no publication, no magazine. So me and my friend, who's my mentor, Carl Sen, uh, he was, uh, who's like my father because I didn't grow up with a dad, mm-hmm. uh, we started a publication called Taxi Magazine. And within six months, we were, we were, you know, had 60 advertisers. And you know about advertising. It's all about, you know, uh, the publishing business, all about the advertisers. So uh, it's a billion-dollar industry, you know, and it's controlled by, you know, the, the, uh, the Jewish people. And I, I love my Jewish people, you know, what's going on in Israel right now. I learned a lot through my Israeli friends and my Jewish people in that industry. The godfather, was, his name was Andy, Andy Greenbaum, was the godfather of the industry. He's, he's passed on now, but. The, the medallion value has skyrocketed. When my mother bought it, it was seventy-five thousand dollars. And two thousand, I think, in two thousand, I'm not sure about the year two thousand eight is when Uber came around. And at the height of the market, the medallion, which is a which is a cap market of only thirteen thousand yellow taxi cabs in a city of eight million people, only thirteen thousand yellow cabs, the medallion value went up to one point two million dollars. Yeah, well, I want to I want to explain that to people that are not from New York. Like I said, I have a, a unique insight because because uh, my wife has grew up around there. I've been around cab drivers. I've been around kind of the interesting piece of it. So you had to buy in to get the medallion, which gives you the license to operate a cab. Is it one cab or can you do multiple cabs under the same medallion? You could do individual. You could do corporation. They called it. Okay. But it's kind of like a, it's, it's like a cartel. It's kind of like to be a realtor. You got to go to the realtors. You got to get the license there from them and they create it. And, and the cab thing is the same game. You've got to buy in to the cab game in New York city historically. Yeah. yeah. And you know, back then it's free market. You, you've got the down payment, you know, you, you purchase the medallion, which is a metal piece like this that goes in the hood of the car, mm-hmm. you know, Ford or whatever vehicle you had, Chevy, uh, and then, uh, you know, you, you get your insurance and you're good to go. And you sell it on the open market, you know, with, through a through a taxi broker, through a, a you know yellow taxi broker. So yeah, I was intimately in the industry, and unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, I don't know, it's 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 a, it's a free market. Uber and Lyft came around. I remember that day that they came around. The value of the yellow cab went from one point two million down to like six hundred thousand. Yeah, and and so many people, a lot of immigrants. You know, yeah. they basically put everything on the line to be able to have a medallion to buy into this. And now suddenly you got like uh, college kids yeah. out there driving around with their 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 hoopties, right? Yeah, a lot of people went bankrupt. They went foreclosures. They gave it back to the city. Yeah. They over leveraged on it. They over leveraged. They over borrowed on it. So I think the yellow cab medallion right now is currently worth around three, four hundred thousand, which is a lot of money for a yellow cab in a city. But it is New York City, just like yeah. everything else in New York expensive. Yeah, sure, but it's it's an interesting to see. You also saw Giuliani come in. You were just talking about that. They call him America's mayor. Were you were you happy to see Giuliani when he took over up there? Yeah, you know he lost the first the first time he ran for election. He lost by a small percentage, you know. And the second time around, he got he got in. So yeah, it, it was you know he went after he he started a program which is no national, but there's there people misinterpreted. It. It's called stop, pressing, and frisk. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not stop and frisk. It, it stopped testing and then frisk, and that was very important because that went over. That went after the criminals, the the low hanging fruit criminals that were breaking windows. You heard about the broken window analogy, right? Yep. You, you go after the person that breaks the window and put him in in jail, and you know, uh, make it, that then that causes the other crimes, the more serious crimes, to not happen. So he that was his uh, theory, and it worked. Uh, along with the commissioner, I forgot his name. He just died uh, last month. But 
Yeah, Giuliani cleaned up. It was all about the crime. You know, once he cleaned up the crime, you know, there was a saying in Times Square uh, that the because uh, the, Times Square was like, you know, all prostitution and everything like that. Uh, but I, I, I won't go into that. But but, 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 but it used up, to be a pretty rough neighborhood to go rolling around in Times Square. I mean, I've been robbed. My mom's been robbed, you know, driving a cab back in the late 80s. He came in 1992. So, uh, you know, he just turned it around and he brought in big corporations. Uh, Wall Street is a big thing out there. The fashion market is a big thing out there. Uh, and uh, it was a great time to be alive in the 90s, you know, when I was in my, my college days driving a cab. And uh, into, into the 2000s, because Mayor Bloomberg, okay, he took over Giuliani's policy, even though he's a lefty, right? We all know he's a yeah, uh, one of these George Soros kind of guys. But when he was mayor, he 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 was smart enough to to acknowledge that you know what, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So he kept Giuliani's policies. Uh, Bloomberg's legacy was the uh, West Side uh, Hudson Yards uh, city. He created his own city. That was his legacy. Uh, Bloomberg's legacy. Giuliani's legacy was that he made he made he made New York great again. Just like Trump makes America great again. No, you're right. And it's kind of fun because I remember watching the Batman movies, the 80s with Michael Keaton in it, you remember? And they showed Gotham City. And like, that's what people that were not from New York thought New York looked like. And I don't think it was that far off in some ways in certain neighborhoods. And uh, yeah, the legacy was that, that, that uh, you know, Giuliani came in and cleaned it up. Now, the, the rep that he gets, because they're, they're obviously smearing him because he associated with Trump, was that, that that policy was inherently racist. So you've got an immigrant mother. Um, you know, you're a guy that's out there driving a cab. That's like about the most blue collar thing you can do in New York city, but you get to see everything as well. Yeah. Is that a racist policy from where you stood? Did it, did it make, uh, people who are either black or, or uh, Hispanic, were they less safe because of those kind of policies? Well, let, let's just be, let's be frank here. Let's, let's just look at the facts, man. You know, in terms of the uh, race, I mean, we're talking black, Spanish, white, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you and I know that, you know, that, uh, 50 or 70, depending on the crime, but it's up there, 50 to 65% of the crime is committed by black people, black men, generally. And often black victims, too, is the other funny thing, because it's like, oh, yeah, who's going to be the victim crime. of the crime? People around you. Black. Yeah, black on black crime is big as well. But, you know, sure. listen, stop questioning Chris. You're not going to go to, uh, you know, you're going to go to where the crime is. And unfortunately, yeah, the black man in New York and across the country represents only 8% of the population. However, they create they they are responsible fifty to sixty five percent of the crime. So I, I never saw it as a race thing, and it's putting a race aside. It's just looking at the facts, you know. Just running so, down like this is the population set that we're looking into. Obviously, it's not yeah. all eight percent of the black men in the world are doing this sort of thing. So yeah, so that's the other sad thing. So you get guys who are decent get smeared, um, but an effective policy obviously turned New York City into a very livable place. And then uh, leftist policies turned it to the opposite. They've been slowly like doing on a decline right now. How bad's it got to get in New York City? You think you got friends still back there and family? I imagine. How long is it? How I bad's it got to get? What? I have family out there, man. It's it's a rat race, man. The quality of life so so terrible. Unless yeah. you're one of that, you know, one percent that lives in Manhattan on Second Avenue or whatever. You know, it's just the, the subway system is it's falling apart. The infrastructure is falling apart. Um, it's just there's no. There's no human, you know, for the love of humanity amongst each other. It's it's, just, it's real tough out there, and uh, it won't get any better. And if it does, if if we do get, because it's Mayor Adams, Eric Adams, the joke, you know, he was a police commissioner, committed to be tough on crime, and he he lied to the people. You sure. know, he's out there, he's over there in South America somewhere, Central America, on vacation. 
Um, <laughs> He's going to the Dominican Republic too with the uh, with the police department, apparently. Yeah, I think he has a girlfriend that's Dominican Republic. That's why. Okay, that makes sense. Like <laughs> That's right. But, yeah, things are not going to get any better. And if they if they do pick another mayor, Giuliani, oh my God, it's going to take at least ten years for it to turn around, man. And yeah. it doesn't happen overnight. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. So I think New York City is a lost city for now. I think it's uh, it's certainly it's certainly on my no go places of going to live. Oh, man. Listen, you want to hear a quick story? I still have a yeah. I still have a condo over there in Brooklyn, right, okay. where I live. In, I had a tenant, bro. She's on what fucking sixteen months of not paying me rent, bro. And I'm Whoa. still trying to get her out, man. Every this whole system, system is broken. Sixteen? You say sixteen months? One six? Yeah, since last May, she hasn't paid me rent. You do the numbers. On top of that, she calls in the housing preservation department. She damages my unit and then calls in the housing preservation department to give me violations on my apartment. I have like 30 violations. I got to fix it that she created, putting cement in my pipes or whatever, all this crazy shit. Uh, and on top of it, she's not paying my rent. So it's not, a, it's not a, if you're a landlord, it's, it's not a landlord friendly city. No, I, I my uh, my father in law just sold his place there and got out of Brooklyn as well, and now he went down to Florida like everybody. Even though he's kind of like a commie, he kind of likes uh, the idea of nobody owning property. Very very leading kind of dude, kind of a funny guy. But classic New York move, right? It's like, oh, I got to abandon New York, but I'm going to go bring my bad ideas somewhere else. Unlike you, here's a, here's something else that occurs to me. You lived in the '90s and the 2000s in New York when Trump was not a political candidate. Talk to me about how people in New York saw trump before the presidency oh my god listen trump he's been uh he's been someone that's always been in the news in, in ever since the 80s in, in right. new york city he was always front page news for his old papers he's anything he touches makes money right bad news there's no such thing as bad bad publicity but yeah he went through a divorce uh with his first wife but he you know people looked up to him i mean everybody looked oprah winfrey looked up to him. everybody looked up to him you know he was in hollywood Every, everyone loved him uh i have a little bias towards him because you know, he grew up uh, in Queens, and I grew up in Queens, too, after I was, you know, born in Brooklyn. I was grew up in Queens. And so mm-hmm. I used to drive by his house in Jamaica State. Once I knew who he was, oh, that's Trump's house. He doesn't live there anymore. He lives in the city. But, you know, a big, beautiful house with, like, Georgian pillars on the front. Modest home. I think they made it. They're going to make it a museum, actually. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was great, man. I, you know, I got into real estate. I do real estate as well here. And I, re- I got into real estate because I was in college. And I read The Art of the Deal, uh, his first book, The Art of the Deal. And he inspired me to get into real estate, which I've been successful for 27 years, 28 years, too. So I have a special a space in my heart for him. Uh, so, uh, you know, of course, I, I voted for him and I want to vote for him next year. It, it's kind of amazing how, how much of a slur he's gotten, right? I mean, he's gotten just bad mouth left and right. But like you say, he was a guy that people called well, on 9-11. He was out there talking about what they what he saw, yeah. the, twin, the Twin Towers. He was a scion of, of New York. And, and it didn't matter, political left or right. Just the minute he jumped into the, uh, the Republican side of things, he was suddenly big hate. So, all right, so you're wearing the hat. Yeah. And, yeah. and you believe in some of the policies. You voted for the man. Uh, but you've been getting yourself into some trouble. You moved down to, to Texas. You adopted. Why'd you move to a blue state like San Antonio? What's that all about? Well, my sister lives here, so I want to be close to my little sister. <laughs> okay. And and what do you think? You, when you first got there, how long have you been there? Ten years, you said? Yeah, I've gone on ten years this year. Okay. Tell yeah. me about how San Antonio has changed in the last ten years. Well, you know, you know, I, it's a lot. The quality of life is much better, if I can tell you that much. You know, the, the price, the cost of living is, is a lot, a lot cheaper, is inexpensive. People here are generally nice, man. 
like the biggest thing I had to get over coming here was uh, I was trying to detox from New York, right? Was that people would ask you, hey, how you doing? And they would really want a genuine answer. They weren't fake about it. So they were like, oh, how you doing? I'm like, what was your feed? Just give me my coffee. I got to go. <laughs> it's the, you take the New York City. It's like taking a junkyard dog and taking them for a walk in a nice park. It still comes out at me. Sometimes I don't have patience for these people here. They're really slow and, you know, but they stick this week. It's a family town. San Antonio is a family town. It's also a military town. We've got three or four right. major military bases, you know. Um, so I love I love San Antonio. It's uh, it's quaint. I love it. And uh, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm in Texas. But Texas is the last state in the union. We lose Texas, we lose the country. So. And you're in a city where that's kind of, you, you get to see a lot of the blue aspects of it, I think. Right? Yeah. Marxist, eight of the ten council members are lefties, you know. They all know me. I go to the council meetings, you know. And I and I don't just stand up for these this immigration crisis. I've been standing up for abortion, you know, protesting that here, uh, along with uh, all the other, uh, you know, social issues here. I've got a couple other ones. <laughs> so you you got Latino heritage, and you are apparently yeah. uh, you said you're against abortion, you're against illegal immigration. You're against all the things that the uh, the leftists have been out there pushing, like this is somehow uh, um, like it's supposed to be a black and Hispanic issue that we're supposed to open the borders up and we're supposed to kill all the babies. Can you talk about how that how you're uh, maybe growing up formed some of those opinions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they try to box us into, uh, you know, a, a policy of a, a politics uh, party because we're a color of our skin is ridiculous. You know, you, you're 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 kind of Catholic. I'm Catholic, right? I'm also Christian. I'm a hybrid Christian. I'm a hybrid Christian half Catholic. I call myself a hybrid Christian. But yeah, we have those uh, traditional values. We believe there's two two sexes, two genders. Uh, we believe in in, in conception of birth, the baby, uh, against abortion. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are, you know, that say they're Christian and they don't, you know, it's not politically correct to say that. So, you know. It's sad. It's sad to say where we're losing. The fastest religion in this country now is atheism. You know, secularism. It's the fastest growing religion in our country, which is sad. But as as a, as a Catholic here and a Christian, uh, yeah, we 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 stand for uh, you know secure borders and fiscal responsibility, uh, sound currency, and we don't have any of that. <laughs> we don't have any of that. No, we're going backwards. We are. I want you to think about in your daily life, you go out, you buy a cup of coffee, you go to the grocery store. If you were to walk out of a grocery store line and uh, they hand you your thing, whatever it is, coffee or your food or something, and you would say, God bless you at the end of it, how would that be received where you live? Actually, pretty well. Yeah? I live in New York. What if you said that in New York? What would it look like? Nah, man. They, 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 won't, they, won't say, they won't repeat it back to you. When I came here eight years ago, it's funny you say that because when I came here, I went to Whataburger, which is like, you know, McDonald's out there in, in the East yeah. East, right? Yeah, yeah. I went to Whataburger, and I, I was I was in the car the first night. My sister's driving me back to her home, and in the freaking window of Whataburger here in San Antonio, it said something, something. God bless you. I was like, whoa, what is that? It says God bless you. Mm -hmm. It took me back, man. I was like, wow, I'm in I'm in Texas now, but yeah. yeah. How many people have told you have a blessed day? You ever hear that? I hear it every day, bro. Here, yeah. people here are still, you know, Christians are they're strong here, man. Just that you know we still have those knuckleheads that. Unfortunately, the younger crowd, it looks like the 34, 30 and under, they're just being indoctrinated in their college and high schools. And I could see it, you know, people with the, the women with the blue hair and the yellow hair and, you know, earring in their nose like they live in Zimbabwe, Africa or Congo, Africa. 
you can spot those people a mile away. They're nutty. Where are they from? Where are they coming from? They didn't grow up here. Like it's got about ten years on me. Um, so and, and I grew up mostly mostly in Texas. I, I came here in uh, maybe third grade. I guess I first came here. I came from California, so also a refugee. And uh, so I, you know, we have that we have that commonality. Like I said, my wife's from from New York. I'm from California. We both came from terrible places. Both became Americans by living here. I did it a lot earlier. But, but there's something weird. Like why is why is that sh- like? You know, ten years later, I I think it would have been weird in my in my childhood. It was obviously weird in your childhood. The tattoos, the hair coloring, the piercings in your face, like that yeah. used to be like a punk rock thing. I, I tell you, Kyle. Now it's mainstream. When I see women tattooed all over their body, you know, on, on their face. Where, where did that start happening? God, uh, <laughs> Kyle, please. And the men, the men, they're like soy boys, you know, like they're soft. They, they, the younger generation, they don't have any testosterone. I think it's in the water, like Alex Jones said. I, I don't know what's going on with the men here, but, oh, man, it's, it's, it's pretty scary, bro. It, it doesn't seem to have affected you. You're, you're just a regular guy. I'm a regular alpha male. Yeah. You I'm eat meat? Male. Sorry? Do you eat meat? You're just toxic all on every level? Meat. I love my <laughs> beef and chicken, man. I love my chicken tacos because you're in Texas, so you got to eat tacos. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you guys have a torchies down there in San Antonio? Yeah, that's, we're getting tortillas everywhere now. Isn't that crazy? Tacos, but they're good. Tacos. They're good. They're just street tacos. They're like street tacos for gringos. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I went to, yeah. to Torchy's back when it was just a uh, when it was just a little hut. It was a uh, a trailer. Okay. My wife and I we met in, in uh, Austin. Like I said, we came together here, and, and I naturalized her. She owns guns now. Do you own guns? Do you own firearms? Of course. Did you own any? I have one right here. You ready? Yeah. Go ahead. You're, you're, I'm always packing, bro. Yeah, you're in the right. You're in the right show for that. And I have it. I have it positioned properly. You see, I don't have it in my glove compartment. I don't have it. In my yeah, you were a cabbie. You got to know. I have it right here. I, a cabbie. I put it on the cab. I put it on a gun in New York City. Come on, man. Isn't that something? New York City. My 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 defense was a hammer. I had a hammer under my seat as no, a cab driver. No, you didn't. All right, a- what do we got there? Is that uh, looks like a Sig? It's, it's a Bursa. Oh, Bursa. Okay, a- I've shot those. Made in, made, made in Argentina, can you? I know that? it. I can. They, they do okay, though. They make a decent fire on Bursa. I don't hate them. All right, so you got your piece there, ready to go. And you had to carry a hammer when you lived in New York City. What is that? That's, that's, your, that's your gun. I mean, that's your defensive, your defense, your defensive mechanism, you know? What, what, are they carrying in, what are they carrying in New York City today? So in New York, you, New York, you can't carry an extra wallet? Permit. You got to get a permit practically impossible and very expensive, right? Right, right. If you live in New York State, upstate New York, you can own a, a long gun yeah, without any problems. But I didn't live in upstate New York. I lived in the five boroughs of New York City. You can't own a gun. Yeah. Okay. They've just recently, hopefully they've just changed it. I just, I'm just wondering, like you used to carry a hammer. That's like a pretty, that's like a meathead weapon to go after somebody with a hammer. I can imagine. The guys that are, think, think about the Uber guys. What are they carrying right now? They carry an extra wallet with more cash just to bag off and, and try to buy their way out of it? I don't know what the fuck they're carrying. I don't care. I'm not there anymore. It's their problem. It's it's so sad. All right. So let's talk about some of this thing. You said abortion is a, is a problem. Have you protested in front of abortion clinics ever? You ever been that? Sir. Yes, sir. You got any concerns that the FBI would look at you for doing that? What you've been hearing? I, I think they already have a file on me, bro. When they arrested me last week, they got my information. So, you know, even before last week, I know they got a file on me. That's, you know, it's, it's already given already, bro. We're at that time. We're at that stage now of tyranny, bro. That's wild. I'm going to have Ryan queue up and play a video for both of us in a second here. Cause we, I was working on a movie uh, with a guy named Dinesh D'Souza, who you may have heard of. 
And uh, okay, so Dinesh made a movie with us and I was in it. It was called Police State. We're going to play the trailer in a second here, actually, as part of this, because I want your reaction to it as well. You say they've got a file on you. Could you imagine growing up the way you did, let's say 10 years ago and all the way the rest of your life? Could you imagine like, that the law enforcement would have a file on you because you were outside of abortion clinic or that you had a problem with illegal immigration? Does that even make sense? Never, never would have thought they would we'd come to this type of pyramid, never in my lifetime. But it is an exciting time to be alive. Because we're, the, we're living through, you know, months and years that won't happen for decades. It's what's happening now is so quickly that it's an exciting time to be alive. As long as you know where your true north is, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's evil. Tell me a little bit more about that. I've never heard anyone call it exciting, but I, I kind of like your attitude about it. That sounds fun. Tell me about uh, the exciting time because of what they've been. What, what do you see them moving, they being, let's say, the, the government? Uh, what, what, what is going on that is making it exciting? Oh, we're we're living in a lifetime where, for the last since World War II, it's been a very passive time frame where you know you had economic growth, you had prosperity, you know, you probably had ups and downs, but never never to the uh, to the amount of tyranny and and corruption uh, as we have now. And so I find it exciting because you know I'm a patriot. Uh, I love the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and so many people are still un uneducated about it, but. I wake up every day and I say, you know, what could I do to, to, to me, it's like a documentation. I got a Rumble account. And so I put everything on my Rumble account and, and of course, on X. But and I, I want to be, and I don't have any children. I'm, I'm a single man, never married, no kids. So I think, sometimes I think that God had, and I could ask God, why, why did I never get married? Why didn't I have any children? It's, it's such a blessing I have that. And I think God has a purpose for me. And this may be that purpose. I'm, I'm fighting with that a little bit, but... You know, going back and forth with it, but I do think this is my mandate that God gave me. Isn't it interesting? Like we we have a plan for our life. God has a different plan. I feel like all the time. I'm also Catholic. You know, um, it was one of my reasons why I ended up leaving the FBI. And it's it's uh, you know, if you stand up for principles, it doesn't really work out. They don't really like that. It turns out they being whatever the powers that be. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's unfortunately, but that's the world we live in. You know, so you gotta, you know, if they want to fight, we'll come and get it because we're gonna give them a fight. Yeah. How about that? All right. So, uh, so I, I wanted to give people a taste of who you were as a person before we talk about the situation. It's not, there's nothing fair about someone see, being in the news, having your name pop as a headline arrested for this thing. Nobody knows any backstory. I wanted, I wanted to get to the backstory first, and then we're going to talk about your arrest there. Let, um, Ryan's got our, uh, our police state trailer queued up. I'm going to have him play the trailer. I'm going to have you reflect on it. Then we're going to play your video that got you arrested. And then I want you to kind of tell us more about that day. If that sounds good to you, does that work? Okay, outstanding. Ryan, let's roll that. Uh, let's roll the police state trailer. Show, do the short one. We don't need to do the long one, but uh, let's see what this is. And then we're going to get uh, we're going to get a reaction here. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no not for each. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? The government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. I've never seen anything like it. It may be the Russia other people grew up in, but not my America. FBI warrant, come to the door now. There's a heavy banging at my door. Open up. It's 15 marked units on my property. I got SWAT in the back of my house. It took a battering ram to my door. 
6 a.m., I hear boom, 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 and hear about six to eight military-style soldiers, with the tallest one of them pointing an automatic rifle at my head. Shock you out of sleep drag you out of your house, have clothes, refuse to give you a warrant, ransack your house. Now I'm facing 15 years in federal prison for doing nothing other than exercising my right to free speech. I have no reason to be attacked. I hope that you remember Matt's name and the role you played in killing him. How did we give the state this kind of power? 9-11 changed everything. We're going to expand the Bureau from law enforcement to domestic intelligence. Legal shackles are now off. It used to be Islamic terrorism. That threat has kind of dissipated. Our focus is shifting. They're moving through domestic extremists. Really paints anybody who's right of center. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. The demand for domestic terrorism vastly outstrips the supply. When candidate Trump came down the escalators, the government had a meltdown. We are going to drain the swamp. We'll see about that. You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. Google literally rewrote their news algorithm based upon what Trump was doing so that they could get this guy. You just take out the word Russiagate and you put in COVID origins. You take out COVID origins and you put in Hunter Biden's laptop. You take that out and you put in January 6th. It's the replicated play from the deep state and their partners in the media. They're not just deplatforming you. They are trying to throw people in prison. If they're coming for me, they're coming for you. Hands on your hands. These are anti-government. Violent extremists and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Police State. Exclusively in theaters, October 23rd and 25th. Tickets sold only on policestatefilm.net. Fernando, I see you nodding along. What do you think about all that? That's pretty powerful document. Uh, congratulations, you've been on that film with Denise D'Souza. All, all his documentaries are awesome, and I've seen every one of them. What did I think about it? I think it's pretty scary, to be honest. I mean, you say you're not scared. That's, that's a lie. It's bullshit. You know, we're all human beings. It's scary because it, it's coming to our, to our doorstep, man. The, the deep state, the weak state, like, like the documentary shows. So it's pretty eerie. Uh, you know, watching it, I could see that. I could see myself in that. Not not to boast about by myself. Sure. But I could see myself being arrested like that. And I was last week. But, you know... Uh, Doing time like day sixers that are still riding in jail two years later, two and a half years later. So let's let's talk about what got you your your was that your first tangle with law enforcement that uh, that I saw the video of the other day? Yeah, it's the first time with uh, SAPD in, in uh, any of my actions, uh, protests, my peaceful protests. And theoretically, you have a right to do that sort of thing in this country. Yes, I do. Uh, and yeah, I do. And just be more be more specific about. You know, this welcoming center, they call it. I call it the illegal immigration human trafficking. Um, I've been documenting that since the day we opened up, day one, me and my posse, which is, I want to give a shout out, beyond the mask. Yep. Um, they're on, yeah. They're go on ahead, there. no, go ahead, uh, plug their socials if you want to, so people can see it. Thank you, Kyle. Beyond the mask, because this started during the, the COVID mask lockdowns, right? 
you know, where they told us you could go home and, and put on a fucking mask wherever you go in the stores. Uh, us patriots here in San Antonio, we got together and made a group, you know, Jerry, uh, uh, Santel, Mistero, April, you know, these are warriors like me that you know, watch the word warrior, okay? Because the, the deep state, the, the police state will use that against me in the future right. right now with this clip. You think we're doing this clip now, they're going to use it against me because I just said the warriors, okay? That's how they operate. Um, but yeah, beyond the mask, we started not taking the vaccine, not taking the fucking mask. We moved forward now with immigration. I've been there from day one documenting this invasion, and I got tons of clips and, and images since since we uh, started filming last July of 2022. Okay, tell me about the invasion. The invasion is happening right here before our eyes. Uh, oh, I, I, I say it's about 10 million right now. I know the media says six or, or seven, but it's probably 10, uh, because there's so many different categories of these uh, refugee asylums that are coming in. Along with the uh, the ones that are coming in, where we see every day through the border of Arizona and, and New Mexico and, and Texas, which is the largest border state of the 2,000 miles, uh, there's also you know the um, the ones that are coming that no one's talking about, which is the uh, special protection refugees for refugee asylum, special protection status, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, and Haiti. Did you know that fiscal year of 2023, they already into our interior, over 200,000 of those, 200,000. No one talks about that. They actually fly in into, into airports all across our country uh, with this refugee asylum. They're not going through the southern border. They're going in through your plane into the cities near you. So no one talks about that. Along Where do with they political go? Migration. Uh, well, they're, they're, they're applying for refugee asylum, but they have special protection. You know, they're not coming from these other 150 countries. Although we do see a lot of Venezuelans there at the center, there's also a program where they where they actually apply. But when they apply, they actually get to fly in to every any city in this country, like you know New York, Chicago. I would imagine are the big hubs. So, you know the re the reason I say that, bro, is because I've been watching, I've been binge watching the Center for Immigration uh, Services (CIS). Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. I just realized they they had these great videos. Like since last week, I, I've been missing out for the whole year or so. The Center for Immigration Studies, the Center for Immigration Studies. Hey, whoever's watching this needs, needs to go on there because it's the same. I'm watching the YouTube videos. They're getting 20 views, 50 views. There should be two million views on these guys. They're a great study, not-for-profit organization, but they inform you. And I've learned so much just by watching that. Which that that that, that stat I just gave you, I just learned three days ago. Kyle. And they're and they're a think tank, I think. Is that right? The uh, the Center for Immigration Studies. Yeah, March something. March something is the the guy who started it up. Okay. I've been watching him for years because I I can go on, but I had a YouTube back in 2013 when Obama was president, and you know that surge of that, uh, the Deferred Action Children uh, Amendment, you know, with DACA, and those are kids that came here in the 90s. They're already, you know, they're probably already grandfathers by now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but that's a great site, man. I recommend it highly. So you're out there educating yourself. You're watching uh, nonprofits. You're watching some of these videos that are available. You're you're looking up. And what did you find out was happening in San Antonio in your backyard that made you kind of get active? Oh, with, with the illegal immigration? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. I mean, hell, I've been fighting this fight since I was in New York. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true refugee asylum seeker from New York. I escaped New York to come to Texas, right? <laughs> I like it. Seriously, bro. And I I did not I do not want to see what, hap what happened to my town happen here, man. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I didn't recognize my child when I left. 
which was Jackson Heights, Corona, Queens, New York. And anyone who knows New York City knows about Jackson Heights, Corona, Queens, where my family grew up, you know, where I grew up as a young man, too. So I didn't recognize it. I got, I got a video of it on my YouTube. Uh, U.S. Border Patrol was my, my channel. And I, with my camera, this is 10 years ago, going down the boulevard saying, look, this is like a third world country. The sidewalks are full of vendors. It was chaos, just like it is now. Still, so I don't want that happening here. So I, I took out my, my iPhone. I got a bullhorn. I, you know, I wear my red cap and I go start documenting, talking to these people, you know, cause I speak Spanish. So I'm able to communicate. What's your story? Everybody has a story. You know, it's great. It's great content if you, if you, if you can grab it, man. So, you know, I, you know, that's what I do. So, yeah, last week was a little different. Yeah, last week was a little different. What are some of the stories that you're hearing? And then we're going to get into exactly, uh, you know, how you found yourself on the wrong side of the law, allegedly. Well, listen, you know, from people I, I interview, you know, uh, I, I meet some shady characters and I met some real nice people, you know, meet people, you know. The, the, the common core I get is like the common response I get from them is because I tell them the situation and why I'm documenting my opinion. And they all gave me the same answer. Well, you know, we're all, we know America's a country of immigrants. And, you know, as a Christian, you used to, used to remember Jesus with the one bro, one loaf of bread and one fish, and he, he made it multiply. That's the kind of shit I get all the time with these people. <laughs> so they have, they have some type of righteousness, bro. Yeah. You know, some of them are humble, like, I'm sorry I came here illegal. They know they're illegal. They know they're not looking for refugee asylum. They come here for the same words they use, uh, un mejor futuro, which means a better future, right? Sure. Hello, that does not qualify for refugee asylum. You know, and I tell them that, and they look at me like I have three eyeballs. Well, then why, why am I here? They say, probably thinking. They know they're playing the system, which is against, which is a felony, by the way, a federal felony. Mm-hmm. On an application. So I hear different stories. I heard one guy, you know, talking about his beautiful, I have it on, on tape, a beautiful two, two young girls and his wife. Um, the Mexican police are the worst out of all the countries going up from Panama up. Mexican state police are the worst. They steal you, they'll, they'll rob you, they'll hurt you, and they'll they'll rape the women. It, this this guy told me that he, the state police made him uh, undress his wife and bend over, you know, and they would like you know get it off on that or whatever. But every, uh, every, almost every Venezuelan I talk to say the Mexican state police is the worst. And that's something. Yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned something about um, asylum and kind of the, the misuse of the words. You grew up in the 70s. I grew up in the 80s. I remember those as a kid. You know, we had people that came into this country and sought asylum. They'd fly in on like a big 28, right, from the Russians, and they would land on an Air Force base, and they would say, I'm claiming asylum. Like, if I go home, they'll kill me, right? Like, that was asylum, that the government wants to kill you. But these people are just looking for a better future. You can't have 160 countries, people from 160 countries come in, and they're all saying that it's a refugee asylum. Hello? There is no civil war going on in those countries. That's There's right. no genocide going on. So bullshit, you know? Yes, they're fleeing socialism and communism and dictatorship, but we have 8 billion people in the planet. We, what are we supposed to let them go open the door for 8 billion people? No, we can't do that. So they're playing the system, and it really comes down to the United Nations if you want to go granular on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's all the United Nations and the compact Global compact of immigration. That's 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 the common denominator for all this good. So. Interesting. Do they expect that you're going to be sympathetic to their story because you speak Spanish with them? I don't know what they expect when I when I talk to them and interview them. You know, uh, you know, they just sit in there and waiting. They're in limbo actually. When I talk to them, 
I don't see the sympathetic. Some of them will get angry because I think uh, when I'm there, the, someone tells them that, you know, he's there, he's against your guys. He's like, trying to agitate you. So they clam up once that word gets around by the NGOs. I think the NGOs are starting to, um, when they get processed in, I think the NGOs are telling them, do not talk to people outside with cameras because I've seen that, that they, there's a lot of, when I go there, every, the faces are different every time I go because they've been processed. Mm-hmm. But now they're, they're when they see me, they kind of clam up, and I think it's the NGO telling not to talk to me. How interesting! What yeah. about the uh, or the folks that you're you're walking up? What, describe the scene as you walk in, and we'll show the video. Uh, you know, before you got arrested the other day, but like, what, what are you walking into, and and what do you usually see, and who's out there, and what's the protest, all that kind of stuff? So yeah, this center uh, holds seven hundred illegals. Okay, they're processing about a thousand a day. So you got people. I- sitting outside in, in chairs and picnic tables, uh, sleeping on the floor outside the perimeter of the complex. I got a video of that. You know, uh, sleeping on dirt because the place is full. full. It just doesn't hold enough people, and they're not processing quickly enough. Not only that, bro, but Kyle, that's a welcome center. You know what a welcome center is? You go to the tourist welcome center in any town. You go there to pick up some pamphlets and go. Yep. These people are sitting there because they have nowhere to go. They have no sponsors. They have no next of kin. They have no money. So yeah, you have people sleeping in the in, in outside the perimeter of the building. Uh, people are free to come and go. They walk in the streets of San Antonio. These are unvetted people that are walking the streets. The streets. There's a subdivision right across the the, the backyard of that center. You know. Uh, you so, sense on how they're how do they get into the welcome center? What's transporting them there? Oh, you got the buses that are coming in through uh, private vendors. Okay. Yeah, they got contracts with the with the government. Uh, these are coach buses that fits uh, sixty people mm-hmm. in the, each coach bus, and it's it's a twenty four hour seven day operation, bro. And they're coming in from uh, Eagle Pass, uh, Rio Grande, uh-huh. and maybe Laredo, if I might be correct. But yeah, they're coming in. So they're coming in from all over the Rio Grande Valley. They're getting bussed in by these, I guess they're NGOs that are running the buses. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, and they're coming in. Who runs the welcome facility? Is that the city of San Antonio or is that federal? So the building was purchased three years ago by a special friend of the mayor. Oh. Um, yeah. And I, I forgot what country he was from, but he got a, a sweetheart deal. And then he turns around and leases it to the city of New York, uh, city of San Antonio. And... Uh, so it's privately owned building, okay. not a city owned building. They, they subleasing it. Uh, and so, uh, so it, it has a big parking lot and, uh, they re- restructured the interior. They added showers in, in, in the, in the, in the facility. Mm-hmm. I hear reports sometimes they don't work. Uh, but I hear reports that they're, they're co-mingling children with, uh, uh, military aged men. And, you know, I hear stories that some of them get booted out some of these men because you know they try funny stuff sexually harassing the children mm-hmm. so it's not a good site man uh, and, and the, you said you that know, they're, they're they're free to go wherever they want they're being processed by is it is it federal officials that are processing the mayor in the in the oh, sorry, yeah to answer your question the ngo that's processing is called endeavors okay i've heard of that the catholic charities yeah so, endeavors is a non-for-profit faith-based organization founded here in san antonio i did my research on them it's about 12 uh lutheran and presbyterian methodist churches they started taking federal money grant when they opened up a new division for migrant crisis in 2013 
Mm-hmm. Before that, they were helping veterans and, and homeless and things like that, right? So they've been on the take for at least 10 years now. So they're running the show, these NGOs. And I got them on tape too, you know. Uh, they're arguing with me at the gate, you know. Uh, but they are they are part of the aiding and abetting of illegal, which is a crime. Uh, so th- those are the players. When we get finished here, people are going to want to go see some of this footage. Where can they go see your videos? You said you got a Rumble channel. So where would they go? Yeah, Rumble uh, is my name, Hernando Arce. Just like you see down there on my, there should be some type of title there. Yep. Uh, and I'm on X, Hernando Arce. I've been doxxed already, so I'm not, I'm not scared to put my real name. I'm not going to go Hernando, Patriot, whatever. Uh, but I've been <laughs> doxxed already. So you can come in, you can come and try to, you know, hurt me and make me lose my job. I don't care. Yeah. Come and, come and get it. So yeah, that's where you can follow me. Uh, and let me spell your last name for people because we have an audio podcast as well and people listen to this so they, they're they going to hear it's A-R-C-E pronounced R-C but spelled Alpha Romeo Charlie Echo R-C yes? Yes, that's my f- last name. My first name is Hernando. Yep, and Hernando. So uh, Hernando R-C now you guys can spell it out. You can find it on X if you want to find it on X Twitter. Uh, you want to find it on Rumble. That's where you're going to go look and see some of these videos and I saw some of your stuff. You're not you're not aggressively confrontational. You got people that are supporting you in the streets. You're not making trouble. It doesn't look like but you had a kind of a fun little run in a couple of days ago. I did. Keep- Be- before we go into that, yes, Kyle, documenting these people I, I i don't i haven't seen anyone document the paperwork that they receive these illegals when they're at the border right they've been processed there it takes a day or two to get processed at that border which is called a mission uh, mission border hope or something right or another ngo out there in eagle pass which is a main one eagle pass del rio and also del rio so I, they get these yellow envelopes i'm sure you've seen them right these yellow envelopes I ask these people because sometimes I'm wearing a, a border patrol hat and they come in out the gate because they're free to go every day. So I say, hey, "What do you got? Let me let me see your paperwork." You know, so they, you know they're they're submissive. They'll pull out the paperwork and I read it. So I got a couple of videos where I actually read page by page every uh, part of those documents that they received. They're actually arrested. You know, they're on parole. Yes, you know, they're parolees into the country. Right. Same as the so, Afghans were. Exactly. So that nowhere in those documents does it say refugee asylum. That comes later if you can get if you, if you can get to that stage. But it says they're paroled. They have another date of appearance for court for immigration court uh, through ICE for violations know? of our immigration law. Very good. Well, a lot of people don't understand this. They don't know what's mm-hmm. in those documents. So I took the courage enough to go and, and make them pull it out, and I read every page, and it's on my ex account. So go look, go look for it. It's it's a fascinating what how, what the report what those documents read, you know, uh, that they had that that they could be deported after they see that judge. We, you know, I don't know what's going on with those judges at, at ICE. You know, are they all just you know stamping them to go and then you know go into the interior and stay out there until they uh, officially uh, apply for a refugee asylum? Most of them aren't. Most of them don't even show up at court. Ninety percent don't show up at court. That's you right. Know, they're in the they're in the saddles forever, brother. 10 million yep. already. You know? yep. I'll, I'll let people know that they can check out. We did a video with Aaron Stevenson, who was a whistleblower coming out of DHS. His handles called out DHS. You guys may see him. Uh, the video was called, Who Did We Let In? We talked about the Afghan crisis and the people that we brought in there, which was obviously a big problem. But, but on top of that, what he mentioned to me was is the immigration judges 
are actually pretty good, what they call administrative judges. They do a pretty good job of throwing people out. They About 80% of them get denied. But right. what they're trying to do, and DHS is actually trying to do right now, is reverse the process so that these uh, officials that are administrative officials within the agency get to make the call and not a judge. And they have about an 80% approval rate. So they're trying to flip it from kicking 80% of the people out that show up to keeping 80% of the people. And you can tell that's just a complete flip on its head. Uh, yeah. People can check that out. You might want to see that as well. But Aaron Stevens is a great resource for the stuff. And that's what they're hoping is going to happen. These administrative judges actually do a decent job. They just take forever because the backlog is so big. And of course, they're, they're overwhelmed as well. You said 10 million people. I want you to do kind of a quick thought. Everybody kind of agrees. Do you have any idea how much money is involved in being transported to the United States for the for the cartels or the coyotes, what they're getting in payment? Do you have a sense of what that number is? I speak to these migrants about that. You know, I, I spoke to one Mexican lady with three kids who came into the border. I said, how much did you pay the cartel? She said nothing. I said, why? She goes, because I'm Mexican. They actually gave her a pass because she was Mexican. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Mexicans, they, they had an exclusivity on this border for 100 years. So they're so jealous. They're jealous right now of the Mexican illegals, right? Like, you know, that that was their thing, right? Now they're getting <laughs> bombarded by 160 countries. So right. yeah, they're jealous. <laughs> but, you know, I speak to these Venezuelans and, I've, you know, I've gotten $2,000. From 2000 to $200. I say, well, how did you just pay $200 to the cartel? They say, because I, I came already. I was already at the border, man. I was just at, at the river. So, you know, they're not going to hit me for $2,000. They just hit him for $200. Interesting. So, yeah, it depends on what part of town, you know, what, how far you're coming in. So they could be anywhere from 200 to 2,000. We've heard numbers as much as 10 or 20,000 if there's going to be children smuggled. Some of those are probably indentured servants. I'm sure they give a big high dollar and they didn't, they didn't uh, negotiate well, right? Yeah, the big numbers is, from what I hear Venezuelans tell me, because they say, yeah, I got I Chinese and I got all these Arabs coming up from the from the jungle of Panama, the Duran Gap, uh, Darien Gap. And I said, well, how come, how come, how come I don't see, because I don't see any Chinese. Any, All I see is Venezuelans and Central America is at the center. I said, well, I haven't seen one Chinese here, bro. I see Asians. And he says, no, no, they, they're taken through a different way, man. The cartels tell, take them every someplace and they pay a lot more money. They pay $10,000 per head for Chinese or something like that, he was telling me. So... There's, a, there's something going on with, I don't see any Chinese in my center, man. And we know they're coming in and, and these Arabs. They caught an Arab, uh, Iranian. Just the day I was there, I was there uh, yesterday, Sunday, I was at the Eagle Pass. That morning, they caught a freaking Iranian, a high high priority suspect. Yeah, and if, if people listen to our interview with Aaron, they're going to find out too that these numbers are actually capped. Like our, our watch list doesn't have an infinite number of spaces on it. So at some point, we stop tracking these people. Um, major, major concerns. You're out there doing the, the good work of uh, videoing these people, trying to just get kind of like some eyes on a citizen journalist, which so many people are doing. You said that you think that's God's mission. Can you set up the clip? We're going to show the video that I saw on uh, on Twitter of you getting taken into custody by someone who must be very proud of himself. Maybe set up the scenario of what you were filming that day and, and what the interactions had been like earlier before that moment okay okay kyle well it was your typical brisk day for the ngos where you had you know hundreds of people outside and typical day you know and, and i'm just there filming i was by myself which is not very common usually i have someone watching my six mm -hmm. but i was there by myself and uh i noticed like this 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 bus i have never seen before usually i noticed the buses it's the same buses right same contractors this one had like it was more like a state prison bus and it had like prison bars on the window. So that caught me off guard. And then when I saw the driver, he had like a like a military uniform. Like it wasn't C CHB, Border Patrol. It was it looked something different. So and it had an insignia on the on the driver's side on his on his sleeve. So I try to get a better view of it 
take a snapshot of this so I can go do my research on it. And so I had actually walked in like 10 feet into the parking lot there, you know, and, and, and thinking that no one was going to see me because the police are on the other side, right? Is there a gate at the parking lot? What, what is the divider between the parking lot and the rest of the world? It's fucking open, man. It's open 24 hours. There's no gate. There's no, you know. Nothing. You could drive in there if you wanted, right? And do it. Yeah. It's got a stop sign. There's no do not enter. There's no trespassing signs. Nothing. That's. Okay. All right. So that's the setup. And so you do this video. Um, can we show the video? Is that going to make sense? And then you're going to talk about it? Yeah. I, I took the snapshot and I walked back out, not knowing that the police was following me. Uh, and then I saw there was a pickup truck there, some uh, bunch of gringos saying, what's going on in there, man? And I said, yo, these are illegal immigrants, man. And that's when the police, you know, police arrives. Okay. Let, let's roll this clip so people can see it with their own eyes and what it is. They'll, they'll be able to assess how reasonable. Um, but I saw the same thing that you just described. So go ahead and run that one if you're ready, Ryan. Us. Awesome. That looks like Border Patrol. We had like his signature. C and S secures releases. C S. See that emblem there on his on his sleeve? It's like a jury. I don't know what that is. We'll have to look into that. Oh. Excuse me. Yes, sir. These are called illegal immigrants. Oh, they are. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of them. Well, excuse me, sir. Oh, easy, easy there, buddy. Easy there. I just tried to see. I don't need ID. You just criminally trespassed, right? No, I did it. All right. I did not. Oh, what are you doing? Turn around. Guys, arresting me. Hey, easy. I'm not resisting. Turn around. I'm not resisting. Turn around. I'm not resisting, officer. Turn around. He must be really proud of himself. So the, he went straight from zero to get your hands behind your back and put you into an arm bar. Yep. yep. Tell me about that. What did that feel like? Uh, unexpected. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, the irony was, if you look carefully at that video, I was wearing a San Antonio Police Department shirt. SAPD yeah. shirt. You know, and they saw me wearing it because I was filming the whole day there. They saw my, they were looking at my insignia, my, my, my emblem here, my shirt. It said SAPD. So they, they would know I'm pro police. That's the first thing. That was the first day I wore that shirt. So that, that shirt brought me bad luck or good luck or whatever, however you want to see it there, yeah, right there. You can see it's a, it's a like a black, it's a gray flannel. Yeah. Of course, I wear my red, my red cap. I was shocked, man. You know, listen, I know the laws, bro. If I'm going to be trespassing, I need to be told that the owner or the least the, the, the tenant has to complain to the police officer and then tell them, tell them that I want him trespassed. You know, the police cannot make that decision for themselves. Number one, number two, they have to give you a warning. I wasn't even given a warning. And so this is all, you know, so it was bullshit, man. And, uh, were not you, cool. They were, were you charged with something or did they simply just take you into custody and release you? So when he arrested me, he was hurting me, man. I was shocked, you know. Listen, I'm, I got I'm holding an American flag for God's sakes. I got one. I, listen, I, I'm holding an American flag. I'm holding my fucking camera. I still, I, I was able, still able to get the footage. I like those apples. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So kudos to me. Now, <laughs> what was the question? Yeah. You, know, you know, it's just. What's the fuck, man? They they brought you into custody, but did they end up charging you? Are you facing charges for that, or did they end up dropping and releasing you? So they took my freedom away. They handcuffed me. They they, they hurt me handcuffing. They they took me into the tent. They 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 detained me. Yep. 
started asking me questions. They have all my public, my private information. So now they know where I live. They know my name. So I'm sure they're going to use that in the future. Did they okay. give you a Miranda warning? Did they tell you the Miranda rights? They did not give me my Miranda rights. I don't even know if the, if the, if the camera was on. I'm going to go and, and, and file a report and get, uh, to the uh, to the department and make a complaint. And I'm going to ask for the fi- uh, for the footage. What do you call that? Yeah, the body uh, cam of, footage. Yeah, Freedom of Information Act. Right, body cam. Yep. So I'm going to work on that uh, if they had it on. I don't think I didn't see the red blinking thing, so I don't think he had it on. So, yeah, to answer your question, Kyle, Right. Uh, they they had a little powwow after they had me in handcuffs. You know, um, they were asking me questions and shit. So after ten, after about twenty minutes, they said, "Okay, sir, stand up." You, you know, they you, you, we're releasing you, uh, and uh, and this is a warning not to do that again. Blah blah blah. You know, man, cops explaining what they did, and they let me go. I was not charged officially, charged or fingerprinted, nothing like that, and no ticket. No citations. No summons, no. And they didn't give you a Miranda warning, but they were asking you questions. Were those questions about what you were doing there, or were they simply uh, your identifiers? Um. Yeah, they were asking, like, you know, you, I've seen you before, man. You know, you do this a lot. Yeah, like, you know, uh, things of that general questions that they also about, which I thought was funny. Uh, when they ran my license and everything, because I gave them my information, my date of birth and all that shit. Sure. Uh, so, uh, so I see you have a commercial driver license, a CDL. I said, yeah. He goes, you, what are you, a truck driver? I said, I work in commercial. I didn't want to get into details. Yep. Uh, he goes, you know, if you, if you, if you get a, if you get a summons or arrested or whatever, it's going to affect your job. You know that, right? You know, you're going to have point or whatever on your, on your license, man. You can, you know, going to affect your job. So that, that was a form of intimidating me in a way too, you know? So, yeah, the officer's name is Officer Robles. I don't have a uh, I have, uh, his ID number, badge number, but it's Officer Robles, the tyrannical <laughs> cop. Yeah, and and that seemed really fast to escalate from that. Having seen you've seen law enforcement ag- interactions your whole life, uh, did it surprise you how quickly he came at you? Dude, uh, he came out of nowhere. He was, you know, he came from my back, so I didn't see my six that he was coming up behind me. Mm-hmm. And he asked me for my ID. I'm like, I know the law. I don't have to give him my ID unless I'm just crime. Right. I'm like, what are you talking about? A criminal trespasser. Really? Bullshit. Uh, it's a, a form of uh, intimidation. It's also a form, of, a form of trying to find out who we were. I mean, the, you know, we parked our car across the parking lot, but I think it was a form of trying to find out, okay, who, because I'm one of the major players there, you know, in the, the group that I'm in, Beyond the Mask. I'm one of the major organizers there. So sure. I think it was a, a way of getting intel on me and my group. And were there other police officers that were back in his play that seemed like they thought he was being reasonable or were they worried, do you think? Uh, the officers that were there, they were changing their shift. <laughs> so they were, you know, uh, to be honest, there was one cop, a younger cop, man. I never seen him there before. It was the first time I saw him there. He had my flag and my phone and, you know, he, he kind of mumbled to me real quietly when I was getting released. He goes, dude, man, I don't know if he said I'm on your side or he, he said we're, we're on your side or something like that. So that's, you know, give him kudos for that. But, you know, most of the guys there are bad cops, man. The fucking, there's another sergeant there, tall dude, Mexican. I have film, I have footage where he's telling me, 
because uh, I'm filming him taking out the illegals off the street because it doesn't look bad. Because when I show up, they start moving all these illegals from the sidewalk in the dirt and say, get out, get out of here or move it, move to a different area because they don't want it, that film get into the mayor because it'll embarrass the mayor and the chief. So one time I'm filming, right? And he's telling everyone, get the fuck off, get off the ground, off, get off the dirt, off the trees. And I said, uh, and I said, this, he's doing this because I'm here. He turns around and says, no, you're doing this because you want views on your YouTube channel. I said, no, I'm not. And then he says, uh, and look at you, you're carrying, a, open carrying your gun on my waist. Because I carry, because those guys are criminals. All these people there, most of them are criminals. So I got to protect myself, these illegals. So and in Texas, you can. Yeah, in Texas, you can. You can open carry. He goes, you're an idiot. He called me an idiot for open carrying my gun. This guy had 30 years in the force. This so, is a police officer that is open carrying a gun as well? Yeah, he's, a, he's open carrying, right? <laughs> is he an idiot? He's a, he's a, well, he's a, he's a dirty cop to say that much. So, so, you know, they know your face. You think they were trying to get intel on you and your group. And they think that what you're doing is looking bad. Do you think any of them have any shame about what was going on there? Did anyone seem like they were any of the normal guys you see? No, I, no, they have no shame. The police, you know, when they released me, I got my flag. I went back out and I started chanting, Libertad, Libertad to all these Venezuelans. You know, they could be right behind me for liberty. You know, and they were just, they were, they, they, they were, they weren't chanting with me. They were like shocked. They were shocked. And I said, yeah, man, these fucking police officers, they work with, they work with the Venezuelan president, uh, Maduro. Maduro told me, told them to go and arrest me. I was playing with them. You know, I was just joking with them, but they, sure. they, they thought that was funny. <laughs> But no, it's I, there's so many stories when I go there, man. It's, it's incredible. And every day is a different. Every day is different, bro. So it's it's, it's kind of like you know, uh, interesting. So so that's that's what happened. And uh, you know, I'm just disappointed in that I live in San Antonio, which is a military city, uh, Kyle. And I'm like, where where are where are the where are the cowboys with the white hat, man? That's why I came to Texas. You know, where is that? that texas culture of not in my backyard and come and take it man you know anthony aguro hmm. you know anthony aguro the that journalist that's always at the border okay so he was there with me at a protest we had a big protest we're gonna have a bigger protest in november maybe i could give you a shout out on that uh with ryan right thank thank you ryan mata um and he was there and he said something that really stuck to me he says that the the come and take it bumper steer, the come and take it uh, slogan that we have in Texas, which means come and take the gun, right? He says, yeah, that's it right there. Uh, don't tread on me, kind of thing. He said, that's that's become a bumper sticker, man. It's become a bumper sticker. Where are the men? Where are the where are the Christian men to stand up to this tyranny? Nowhere. You know, there's only a handful of us in our group, and I know there's millions around the country, but in Texas, man, Texas is letting me down, bro. So, uh, kudos to Anthony Grewal for saying that, because that's so true, man. That's all I say is I just tell these people to, whoever, whoever's watching this, man. I'm just a regular dude, you know. I, I drive, you know, for a living. This is my my company's emblem right there, man. But you need to just get off the fucking lazy chair, you know. Put the burrito down, like I say, and stop drinking the Bud Light and start taking some action, man. I know today's <laughs> a cowboy game tonight. There's a Dallas Cowboys are playing tonight. You know, these people have these men have they know the stats in the back of their hand for these cowboy games, but they don't even know their 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 the bill of rights and you know they're more excited about a game but meanwhile come and take it these illegals are fucking taking it man they're taking it from you right there who's watching this shit so you need to start taking some action man peaceful that's action a, that's a that's a solid uh a solid pitch let me ask you this uh are they gonna keep you away are they have they scared you off are you done reporting no they didn't mention that you know no i'm not done reporting i actually want to go there right now and do some footage uh okay. so, 
they're not stopping me, man. That's made us stronger, man. Listen, I, I, I have nothing. To, I have nothing to lose, bro. Not that I, don't, you know, want to lose anything, but I can understand people have family, wife, kids. I don't have any of that. You want to, you want to put me in the gulag? Go ahead, man. Uh, join the J6ers. Fuck it. Well, I'll do whatever I got to do to preserve our country, to conserve our constitution, conserve our country. Although right now it's not looking too well, man. But uh, as a man of faith, you and I, you know, we believe that there's a higher power and that we will be victorious at the end. That's that's what keeps me going. Yeah, nobody says we have to win right now, do they? No. It's a long, it's a long, long game. Uh, tell people again where they can follow you, where they can connect with you. I know some people are probably going to want to come out and see what you're about. They're going to want to go out there and watch your six sometimes. So, uh, how can people make that connection again? We'll do, we'll plug all those socials again. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Listen, this is the 21st century battle of the Alamo. I live in San Antonio, home of the Alamo. Well, guess what? As those men, 187 years ago, those David Crockett, the William Travis's, and, and the Bowies, they. 200 people, including women, uh, who were up against 3,000 military men of the of General uh, Santa, Ro Santa, Santa Rosa, Santa, Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Mm -hmm. Right, thank you. You know, they, they fought that battle. They lost that battle, but we won the war. This is the 21st century of that Alamo, man. So where are, where are today's Crockett's and Travis's and Bowie's? I ask you, this is a, a, a call to all you men to stand up, man, and women too. Our group has some amazing women, bro. They don't even need bullhorns, bro. They are fucking loud, man. So, we, you know, we need the men and women to stand up, man. This is the 21st century Alamo because in that time, they were fighting for their sovereignty. It was the sovereignty of Texas. But now we're, we're, we're fighting that same sovereignty, that national sovereignty, not just for Texas, but for, for the country, the United States of America. So this is your time. Will you, you know, will you stand up or not, man? And so you could catch myself uh, on X, Nando RC, Rumble, and Hernando RC. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on, folks. Those are going to all be in the uh, the description of the video, so you'll be able to find them on the channel here. We'll tag you on the uh, on the uh, release on there when this when this video goes live. And uh, and be safe, man. I I appreciate what you're saying. I think that uh, that attitude, it's it's really important right now. The, I always tell people like, no one's coming to save us. It's up to us. And uh, and I appreciate that you're a man who's who's out there doing that thing. You're getting out those videos, staying staying peaceful and and giving people the information. And thank you. And, and you can see I'm wearing a Trump hat, but I did not mention one Trump one moment in this whole interview. <laughs> not about true. Trump. Except when I asked you, which is totally yeah. fair. Totally yeah. fair. Yeah. All it's right. Not Trump, man. He did have the lowest amount of illegals coming in through our borders in his tenure, but this is much bigger than just Trump, man. He's not it's coming to save you either. He's not coming to save anybody either. That's exactly right. He's got a lot of problems right now. Um, Hernando Arce, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate all the time you've given us, and uh, I look forward to seeing some more of this reporting. I'm going to start following your uh, your Rumble channel right now. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, brother. Peace out. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas, here at 0930 Eastern Time. That is 830 here in Texas, America, right here smack dab north and west of Austin, Texas. Uh, we do appreciate all of you listening. We appreciate you sharing this on social media, that you uh, continue to help our show grow. And you do so in a couple of ways, including leaving us five-star reviews on places like Apple Podcasts. Today's review comes from Tob Dean. It says, great podcast, five stars right up there with Daniel Horwitz and Steve Ducey on my list to listen to if you ever want to learn things and hear the hard truth. Well. 
That's what we're trying to bring you. The hard truth. Why? So you can do something about it. So you can not be afraid and continue to go out there and be Americans who exercise that First Amendment right, keeping us away from having to use that Second Amendment right. We do always appreciate you joining us in the live chat. Please make sure you are following us at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. And you can support our merch store if you want to support my buddy Garrett O'Boyle and the Suspendables. Check out the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. Again, same promo code, promo code Kyle. Check out any of these cool guys here, including this one, the merch bundle. What does it look like? It looks like three pins for 30 bucks. Normally $14.99, get three for 30 bucks with free shipping. And uh, join us out there in the world. We're going to be supporting them and sh and showing them off tonight at Miralago. So uh, definitely check out the Suspendables lapel pin and all the other good stuff over at Garrett's webpage. Again, the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. Promo code Kyle gets you a couple bucks off. You might as well use it. And folks, that is our show for today. We thank you so much for joining us on the Kyle Serafin Show. We will see you again tomorrow. God bless you. Be safe. And uh, till next time, here we go. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.